for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Alex Schiffer, who covers the Brooklyn Nets for The Athletic, about the KD and Kyrie saga that's gone on all offseason long. Kyrie opts into his contract, and then a day later, Kevin Durant requests a trade out of Brooklyn. Some people think the Warriors are a potential landing spot. A lot of people thought the Suns were going to be until they brought back DeAndre Ayton earlier this week. All things we can talk about with Alex Schiffer, who joins me next. Today is Monday, July 18th. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast Alex Schiffer. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for The Athletic, and there is a lot going on this offseason, as it seems there always is with the Brooklyn Nets. Alex, thanks for making time today, man. How are you? I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about. All's quiet here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's maybe the hope for the fan base, but in terms of being a beat writer, never a shortage of stories, huh? It's like Instagram versus reality. Like you want it to be this like flowery meadow and it's like the dog in the burning house. Yeah, it's a, it's a great call uh, for how things have gone for Brooklyn over the last couple of years. So take me back a few weeks right before free agency starts. There was all the drama about Kyrie potentially wanting a trade and then he opts in. Kevin Durant then says, yeah, I want to trade like a day later right before the opening of free agency starts. How big of a surprise was that? And, uh, and what did you make of Kyrie opting in and the request of KD wanting out? Yeah, you know, I, I think both moves standing alone weren't a surprise, just in that I think we all knew Kyrie didn't have much of a market and this was his best option. And Kevin requesting a trade, you know, that stuff had been brewing for a while, but I think many people thought that the Kyrie opt-in would maybe quash any ideas of him asking for a trade. And then obviously they kind of happened right back to back on each other. So individually, each events were not a surprise based on what had been brewing beforehand, but really after the Kyrie opt-in, you kind of thought that maybe the... Uh, the waters had come for a bit, and maybe the Kevin stuff would die down, but obviously it didn't. We'll get to some of the Warriors stuff here in just a minute as it pertains to uh, to us out here in the Bay Area. But in terms of what the Nets were looking for in return, how much truth is there to some of these offers? I know there was a report a couple of weeks ago about the Timberwolves saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take Kevin Durant, but the Nets saying, we'll give you Kevin Durant, but it's going to cost you like Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Then you have uh, J- uh, Jerry West saying the other day that he just does not believe there's a package you could put together to get him because you're getting like four more years of him. He's one of the greatest players of all time. What have you heard about what the Nets are looking for in return and how much truth is there to some of those other rumors? Yeah, you know, I think there is some truth out there. I mean, I'm trying to think how to paraphrase this. I guess when the Kevin Durant trade request happened, the immediate push out by the Nets camp was, we want multiple All-Stars back, as you kind of said. But I think the biggest cog in this whole thing, or wet blanket, whatever metaphor you want to use that's better than mine, is I think the Rudy Gobert trade really kind of put a wrench in the market. You know, I think... That goes down, and you see what they got with you know all those players, even though some of that was salary dump and five first-round picks. I think a lot of people said, well, oh, you know, the Nets are going to get even more for Durant, and he's a much better player than Rudy. You think about the hole they can get. But then I think there was this kind of come-to-Jesus moment amongst teams where it's like, we don't want to put all that together for a guy who could hypothetically be leaving a year later or ask out if this doesn't make him happy. And that's a lot of assets to put. I mean, you were talking – Has the team ever put seven draft picks in a trade? I don't think so. Like, just unprecedented stuff. And, you know, even even with some of the return on this, you know, at Summer League, some of the word was, you know, what about getting this guy? You know, you'll hear from people that know, you know, a second degree separation from these guys' camps of, well, this guy doesn't want to be the one traded for Kevin Durant, which I think is a very fair point that I never thought about. So I think that the market has evolved from it being like two all-stars or multiple all-stars like the Nets wanted to – you know, that doesn't seem practical based on his age. And, you know, is this going to be deja vu? 
And now I think you're looking at picks and one young great player if you can get it. And I always wonder this with superstar players. Superstars, you don't want an unhappy one on your team. And it happens in football. It happens uh, in basketball more so than in, like, baseball or in hockey. But when a superstar is unhappy and he wants off your team, a lot of times the teams appease that. Well, he signed the extension this year. What's to stop the Nets from saying, look, man, give us a little bit of time here. Let's start the season, you and Kyrie. Let's get Ben Simmons healthy and see how it plays out. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe we'll readdress this around trade deadline time or all-star break time, something like that. But give us a, a little bit of time to get things moving because the market just is not here for being able to make a trade, and it may shape it up by the time we get to the All-Star game or the All-Star break come next season. Have they had those conversations, and do you anticipate something like that happening? I think there's a world in which it happens, a very realistic one. You know, a couple executives in, in Vegas this past week predicted to me that that's what's going to happen, and it's going to be a repeat of the Carmelo Anthony situation where he went into the year wanting a trade and didn't get dealt till you know, I think it was January. I think the risk with that, though, was that Kevin Durant the past two years as a net has been hurt for extensive periods of time, hamstring strain in year one and um, knee contusion. I think it was last year. The problem is, is that, you know, I don't worry about him from a production standpoint if I'm the Nets, but like you're risking him potentially getting injured if you play him. And then what happens to your value then? I mean, if you know, do you trade him if he gets hurt? I mean, what do you do then as a back to square one? So I think there's a world in which he comes back. The thing that I keep kind of getting stuck on, you know, we're all human beings here. I mean, let's just say, man, that you want to go to another radio station and you couldn't get out of your contract and they said you're going to do your next year with us and then you can worry about that. Are you going to be Boomer and Carton on the air? You know, there's been all these months of drama and bad blood and all that. Can all of that be healed if him and Kyrie come back and they and, and lead to winning? Or is that or, or you can't really clear the table of all this mess and drama that's happened. You know what I mean? That's where I'm kind of skeptical on all this if he does come back. Like, is this going to be another big distraction like there was last year with Kyrie and the vaccine? Or if he comes back, like, can they actually do something with this squad and kind of find a way to put all that to bed? You can't unbreak the eggs. I get what you're saying. If they've made the mess already uh, and you try to come back and it's still just sort of a, a cluster blank, you know, when you start this next season, you could uh, you could run into a mess and you make a good point about potentially playing KD if he's injured. What are you hearing on the Kyrie front? That was the one that everybody was talking about. And because he's got the one-year deal and while it's a big contract and they would probably still want something uh, uh, pretty hefty in return, what are you hearing about suitors there? And is it just as likely that he starts or maybe more likely that he starts a season with Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, he wants to stay in Brooklyn. You know, he grew up a New Jersey Nets fan. His whole family's in North Jersey. I don't think he ever wanted to leave the Nets, per se. It's when the Nets started playing hardball, wouldn't give him a long-term contract that he started to want out. I kind of think Kyrie's future is in Kevin's hands. I mean, if Kevin comes back and says he'll play with Kyrie, I think that they run it back. I think if Kevin still wants out and they can't figure out a situation with this, I think maybe Kyrie gets dealt. Probably to the Lakers, you know, to, to me, the interesting situation is but DeAndre Ayton obviously getting back with the Suns kind of takes them out of play both for Kevin Durant and also puts the Pacers now in position to be a salary dump team, you know, in some kind of trade. So I've kind of wondered because now you have the Pacers and the Spurs as these teams with the cap space to maybe take on a contract as an expiring. So obviously that would be Russell Westbrook. So that I, I kind of wonder if we start to see a turn in the Kyrie trade rumors again just because of the Pacers recent events. 
Yeah, you're right. It, it could be hinged to Kevin Durant. It could also be hinged to what happens with Russell Westbrook if the Lakers still want to try to get into those sweepstakes uh, to, to try to make a move for Kyrie. But all stuff that just sort of remains to be seen. It's kind of wait and see, especially with the uh, the Nets uh, front office going on vacation and saying, hey, kick back. No move is in place, at least for right now. In terms of what we've heard about rumors out here in the Bay Area regarding Kevin Durant uh, coming back, I, when it first happened, I thought, you know, you got to pick up the phone. You know, you got to see what it's going to take. I think the Warriors are kind of a pie-in-the-sky potential landing spot for him only because because they've spent so much equity, so much time trying to develop the young core of players that they're planning to be here after the wave of Draymond and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. What do you think about that? And I know there's a bunch of rules that go into to who can be on the same roster. I know Andrew Wiggins and uh, and Ben Simmons can't be on the same roster because of the, the rookie contract thing. There's all these strange exceptions that happen in the NBA. But in terms of who could give the Nets the most in return, the irony is that it probably is the Golden State Warriors. I agree with you. I mean, they have Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, who has been mentored by Kyrie Irving. They went to the same high school. I did a story on that in early 2020. That's an interesting cog in all this, too. James Wiseman, obviously. Patrick Baldwin's an interesting construction project. It's enticing to me. You know, I think, as you said, that the Warriors have the best package to offer because they have all their picks and everything. But I would also argue, you know, man, to me, the Warriors are the model organization right now in sports. They're like the Spurs back in the day. I mean, they've done everything right. Like, they have three homegrown stars, counting Draymond. The D'Angelo Russell-Wiggins trade didn't cost them any big-time equity, and they still have Kaminga and these young guys. I call it the Joe DiMaggio principle out here in New York, where you see he, Joe DiMaggio won a ring with the Yankees as a rookie with Lou Gehrig, and then as a you know he won a bunch leading them, and then he won one on the back end with Mickey Mantle, young Mickey Mantle. I kind of look at the Warriors in that sense with these lottery guys. I mean, these guys are winning young behind the— old guard, established guard of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and they could be doing it themselves in a few years and beyond based on the way they're built right now. So to me, if you're the Warriors, I just kind of wonder, I mean, you have so much going for you right now. Why mess with it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. It, it took a lot to, to get to this point. Again, if you do that, you lose all of that equity and all the uh, the draft picks that maybe you were holding on to uh, or, or that you had to, to try to help support this young core that you're building for beyond the uh, this Joe DiMaggio-like era. You had me at Joe D, man. I'm I'm a North Beach guy living out here in San Francisco. I walk by oh, Joe, DiMaggio, yeah. Joe DiMaggio playground every day, man. I'm a, I'm a Joe D junkie. I love it. I just finished the biography on him by Richard Ben Kramer. Gave me a great uh, map of North Bay, as you said, when uh, when I was up there for Nets Warriors. Oh, super cool, man. Very cool. Well, Alex, I appreciate the time, man. Fun uh, catching up with you. I know it's been a, a busy offseason to this point. Hope you get a little vacation in before uh, before a trade goes down or doesn't go down. I'm sure you'll be right no matter it either way, man. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, guys. Pray for me. <laughs> Oh, great stuff from Alex Schiffer. Nice to get the uh, the Brooklyn Nets perspective on things. And uh, when we first connected with him, and I was asking him how things were going, he's like, "Yeah, no news out here, man." But he was being sort of sort of uh, tongue in cheek about it, except that there really is no news. The Brooklyn Nets brass went on vacation and said no trade was in place. So clearly, this is not something. While probably still at the front burner and something that they're monitoring and trying to find a solution for with Kevin Durant, it's maybe not something they're absolutely eager to do before the start of this season. So we'll keep paying attention to it out here from our perspective. Uh, with the Warriors, but I still just don't see it as something that's going to happen this season or, or at any point just because of what the Warriors would have to give up for the future in order to get Kevin Durant here. And then you run into a problem again next offseason with Draymond Green and his potential extension that comes up August the 3rd. 
Thank you to Alex Schiffer. Thank you to you, the listener. And thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. Forgot to thank Brian there. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. The All-Star Game goes down tomorrow night. We've done a lot of coverage on that, both with Marty Lurie and our guy John Shea of The Chronicle. So you can check out all of that on the Athletic Podcast Network. We'll be off on Wednesday, back with you on Friday, and almost time to get you ready for the start of NFL training camp. So until Friday, everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then. 